Here at year-end climate talks in Glasgow, major banks are finally pulling out of fossil fuels and other dirty businesses. Or at least they're shifting to best-in-class, investing only in good oil companies in an effort to encourage good behavior. Or, more accurately, they're promising to do this. It's a start. But how can we little guys do the same? You know, retail investors who want to do the right thing but don't know where to start? They would like to invest, they, but they are frustrated by the products that they are getting offered in the market because they think that greenwashing is going on and they don't trust the financial industry. Matthias Cray runs a company called Pure Climate Stocks. A Pure Climate Stock is a company that earns 100% of their revenue from products or services with net zero technologies. By investing in pure climate stocks, you can put your money where your mouth is. But how do we know they're really pure? We went through it and, and checked the annual reports. Company by company, are they fulfilling this criteria? And when they met it, it was a tick and they were included in our pure climate stocks list. And if not, they're out even if they're a dirty company that's belatedly cleaning up their act. General Electric is a good example. They are manufacturer of wind turbines, but they also manufacture gas turbines that you use in fossil fuel fired power plants. So they are excluded. Man may be unwittingly changing the world's climate through the waste products of his civilization. There's a group of us now who are proposing that the Earth has actually entered a new epoch, and that is the Anthropocene. We know that the enemy is carbon, and we know it's ugly face. We should put a big fat price on it, and of course, add to that, drop the subsidies. Earth. We broke it, we own it. And nothing is as it was. Not the trees, not the seas, not the forests, farms, or fields and not the global economy that depends on all of these. But we can restore it, make it better, greener, more resilient, more sustainable. But how? Technology? Geoengineering? Are we doomed to live on a bionic planet, or is nature herself the answer? That's the question we address in every episode of Bionic Planet, a podcast of the Anthropocene, the new epoch defined by man's impact on Earth. And today we examine it from the perspective of our own little portfolios. How can we make sure that our investment dollars or euros or whatever are aligned with achieving net zero emissions by 2050? If you're like me, you thought of exchange-traded funds like maybe BlackRock's iShares Global Clean Energy ETF or the Standard & Poor's 500's Net Zero 2050 Paris Alliance Sustainability Screened ETF. I mean, names like that, they gotta be winners, right? Well, today's guest, Matthias Cray, looked at both of those ETFs and found them full of companies that don't meet the criteria of being pure climate stocks. He's the director of pureclimatestocks.com. And I caught up to him right before year-end climate talks started here in Glasgow. I apologize in advance for the poor quality of the sound of my voice. I messed up my settings on my recording software, but Matthias comes through loud and clear and he's the one that matters. I sound like I'm in a little tin box. Before we get on to the show, a quick reminder that I am listener supported. So if you want more and better episodes, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash bionic planet. There you can become a supporter for as little as $1 per month. Now onto my conversation with Matthias Crane. Everybody's talking about green investing and sustainable investing, and you've got this concept of a pure climate stock. What do you mean by that? Yeah, good question, Steve. Actually, it's very simple. A pure climate stock, as the name suggests, is a stock of a stock-listed company where the company that is on the stock list uh, and where you can trade the shares from is a company that makes 100% of its revenue from products and services that are required to bring our world to net zero by 2050. 
if I'm a fossil fuel company and I'm shifting to renewable energy, I'm not a pure climate stock. Steve, that's that's correct. You're not a you're not a pure climate stock. You are, and I guess we come to that during the conversation. You can be possibly included in indexes and and ETFs, you know, that are called climate or carbon, but you're not a pure climate stock. That's right. Right. And how about a renewable energy company? Would that be a, a pure climate stock if it only does renewable energy? That's the point. If it only does renewable energy, then it is for sure a pure climate stock. And there are instances, for example, where I thought a company would be a pure climate stock, but I looked deeper uh, and mm -hmm. I found that it's actually not. And if we want to start with that example, it's uh, Ørsted. That's a, a Danish company, formerly Earth known as Ørsted. It's these these O with the with a line through it the mm -hmm. the Danish O the Danish Ö as it's called so Ørsted it's formerly known as Dong Energy mm -hmm. so it was a oil and gas trading company and also fossil fuel based electricity provider as it was Dong Energy it has been relabeled as Ørsted and is everybody's darling at the moment when it comes to sustainable investing because they have the vision to generate all their electricity from renewable and renewables and particularly wind. And mm -hmm. in the way they communicate, it sounds as if they are already there, but in fact, they are still operating one coal-fired power plant that they want to shut down in 2024. So until they didn't do that, they are not a pure climate stock, although most of their energy is... Okay. And then in 2024, when they shut it, they will become a pure climate stock. Yes, they would. Okay. All right. And now you, cause we've got two things here. We've got the pure climate stock as a concept, and then we've got pure climate stock company. It's a for-profit company, right? That you've got? It's a company or is it? Yeah. That's right. That's right. We, okay. are, we are for profit. Yeah. And what does the company do? The company has the purpose to support retail investors, private investors like you and me that want to make a difference with their money to support them in selecting the right stocks. And in, in, in our view, this is pure climate stock. So if you want to make a difference with your money for a cooler planet, then we think that the pure climate stocks concept is very helpful because it allows you to select those companies that really are pure players, as they say, on the stock market. So climate pure mm -hmm. players really making 100% climate positive impact. Okay. And, and you're creating an investment recommendations? Yeah. We are not exactly making investment recommendations. What we've started to build, and I should say we are you know, just started this year, and maybe we come to why a little bit later. We just started this year, and what we have built so far is what we call the Pure Climate Stocks database. So within this database that includes now more than 200 Pure Climate Stocks by the definition Uh, I just gave you what is a pure climate stock uh, and where we are collecting information and updating information on those pure climate stocks on, on a quarterly basis. We enabling private investors with this database to understand what are the different companies they, they can invest in and then make their own, own choices. We will be supporting them with analysis. We will be supporting them with information but we are not a investment advisory. Okay. And these are subscribers? It's a paid newsletter or if I wanted to learn? Yeah, it's a couple of things. Um, we have a website where, which is at the moment for free. People can go uh, there and, and check the things out that we've built. What we have there at the moment is stock analysis. So every, every two weeks, we are producing a new stock analysis. So far, we've done four. And the stock analysis is really... A fundamental analysis of the of the business of the company. So it's a really you know deep dive report on what the company does, why it's a pure climate stock, how has the business developed so far, how does the market look like, what are the competitors, and we are also checking what is the valuation at the moment and do if it's a fair evaluation based on the expected growth of of the company. And then at the end, I'm, I'm saying as a private person, I'm giving my opinion whether I would invest in that company or not, but it's not investment advice that's important to state. And then we are writing biweekly blogs as well. For example, we recently done a blog on uh, vegan and sustainable food ETFs. We found that mm. there's a lot of greenwashing going on. We might come to that 
later during our conversation why that is the case. So we are uh, providing these analysis and then we have given some ideas on what could be alternative ways if I want to invest in vegan. For example, what could be single stocks I want to invest in if I believe that the existing vegan ETF and sustainable food ETF is, is greenwashed. And in, in addition, we also have a, a biweekly newsletter that users can subscribe to at the moment for free. And um, we, of course, are going to accumulate more and more information and analysis on the website. And there is a time by which, you know, we want to make it a membership website, but that's months, if not maybe years. So until then, it will be for free. And what we are launching now is two concrete products where we are supporting private investors that want to work with us to transform them from the situation where they're in now, which is they would like to invest, they but they are frustrated by the products that they are getting offered in the market because they think that greenwashing is going on and they don't trust the financial industry. And I have had many conversations <laughs> with uh -huh. people around that who have that feeling at the moment and they don't know what to do to bring them in to a state where after we've worked with them for a couple of weeks, where they know exactly what they want to invest in, where they know which pure climate stocks want they want to invest in. Here's where the database will come in. The two products are different in the way we work together with the client. One product is a webinar form where we are over the course of three weeks. I have one hourly webinars in a group where our, the client takes uh, a part in these group calls and we are explaining the background, what is going on in the financial industry, what is greenwashing, what is pure climate stocks, how does the database work. We are sharing the database with the clients and they can make their selections and we are showing them how they can trade with the least amount of transaction costs, which is important because I would like to emphasize that one very useful way of using the pure climate stocks database is to say, I'm actually going to invest in as many companies that are in this pure climate stocks list so that I can diversify because the more I diversify, the less risky you know, my investment becomes and the, the less right, it will right. fluctuate. Yeah. And then at the end of this, this webinar, clients can make their own choices in what they would want to invest in. And the second product is a one-on-one. -on -one, so it's more in, in intensive. And it goes on over several weeks. We are planning with five weeks where I am working personally together with the client, also with the help of the database, also with the help of the neo brokers and help the customer to structure a pure climate stocks portfolio that he wants to invest in. But the investment decision is always taken by the client. So it's not right. investment advice. You've talked about uh, the importance of diversifying and you've also identified a few pretty wide-ranging company types, vegan companies and renewable energy. Can you provide a few examples of what you would consider to be a pure carbon stock? Very happy to do that. Maybe I start with two very concrete examples, and then I, I can go a little bit deeper into the methodology and show what sort of the diversity yeah. can look like. But I think the two examples can make it very, very tangible. And there we are also getting into the question on what is it? good stock to invest in. This, of course, depends on the yeah risk and reward profile that the ind individual investor want to take. How comfortable does he feel with a certain risk in the investment? And uh, the return is usually higher. The the interest is usually higher, the higher the, the risk that the investor right. takes. And so the question is here, is the is the investor looking for a 10-bagger, uh, which will probably mean you know, high volatility and high risk or a stable dividend earner, for example? And you know, leave, if we leave this question aside for the moment and just illustrate what are pure climate stocks and illustrate the bandwidth from how pure climate stocks can look like and play out, I selected my two favorite pure climate stocks in a way. And there are different reasons for why they are my favorite stocks. And one is a, a company that I'm invested in. It's called Vulcan Energy Resources. It's a company that uh, had its IPO in Australia, but it's operating in Germany. The, the reason why it had its IPO in Australia was because they're because it's it's a resource exploration company and they of course have a lot of experience on on these types of 
IPOs in Australia. So they thought it's a beneficial environment to go public in, in Australia rather than in Germany. And what they are doing here in Germany, they are uh, producing zero carbon lithium, as they are saying, for battery production for electric vehicles. And when I heard this, I couldn't believe this because resource exploration, lithium production was something I couldn't associate with Germany at all when I first heard about it. So mm -hmm. how are they, are they doing this? <laughs> they are exploring a hot thermal water source. So like wellness, you can think of the you know, Icelandic ponds where you can bathe in these kind of hot thermal mm -hmm. water resources in the south of Germany do exist and it happens that they contain a lot of lithium down there in, in like South Germany. Baden. Exactly, in this, in this mm -hmm. area. And what Vulcan does is they take the heat as in, in geothermal energy, you can take the heat to produce energy and that's renewable and you, they mm -hmm. use the energy in a process where they are separating the lithium from the thermal water and then mm -hmm. they're injecting back the uh, water into the ground. And the opportunity is, from a business point of view, that they say that they can extract 40,000 tons of lithium hydroxide per year when the operations are fully built out. And that's a huge resource. With that, you can supply millions of EVs with lithium for the batteries. And they have signed offtake agreements already with No and other car manufacturers. And here, it's clear why this is a, a pure climate stock. And I, I really like this example because it touches on so many aspects that we need to get to net zero. We need the EVs, right. we need the batteries, and we need material that we supply in order to produce things to ideally be zero carbon. So it, it actually ticks a lot of uh, very nice boxes, I think. Mm -hmm. And the type mm -hmm. of investment here is, it's a venture investment as this company is just starting up. They have their pilot plant in southern Germany operating since April and they have already successfully demonstrated in this pilot plant that they're able to produce battery grade and wow. uh, what, what they need to do now yeah that's really impressive what they need to do now is to successfully scale up as planned and to justify the current stock price because of course the expectation is already inbuilt into the stock right. price that they will have some kind of success so I would say the market really appreciates the company at the moment and I have invested in the company myself and since then I have gained you know, more than a 100% return on this stock. That's why I think it's really exciting but of course there are, there are risks involved and again this is not investment advisory you know I'm not advising anyone to invest there I'm just saying that these things exist and then that one can look for them and then make your own decision if one wants to invest in it or not. And then mm -hmm. we can talk about a totally different company with a totally different profile, okay. also in another country. And that's in Canada, Canadian National Railway. And that okay. is an investment that is totally different in terms of the risk profile. It's a slow growing you know, business and, and is where stable dividends can be earned from the stock because Canadian National Railway is a freight railway operator in Canada and also parts of northern US and they are operating 20,000 miles of railway track lines in this region and as you can imagine this is a very planable business of course it wasn't during covid but in general it's a very planable mm -hmm. business because of a lot of goods transported on those tracks here it's there's a lot of less risk involved than than compared to vulcan energy resources right, right. so i think this shows very nicely the diversity of pure climate stocks in terms of you know why are they a pure climate stock how they're reducing emissions for canadian national railway i think it's clear if the goods would be produced or would be sorry transported in, in in other ways then it would have higher emissions and and different types of businesses and business models altogether now i can see why vulcan energy would be in there i can see why any railway would be in there too but why canada national railway why not amtrak why not deutsche bahn or are they in there as well? That's a good point. And there we can come to how the methodology works. So mm -hmm. Deutsche Bahn didn't have the IPO yet. They planned ah, the okay. IPO several years ago, but they never executed it. If they if they would do the IPO, they for sure would be in the pure climate stocks. The And I assume Amtrak too. I think they're nationally owned. Are they? Or do you not know? That's uh... I think Amtrak, I would need to check. Uh, but I think Amtrak is not 
in the pure climate stocks list. It might be mm. for the reason because they are, uh, as you say, they are also not, mm. not a, a stock listed company. Now, let me just go through and, and, and explain what, how the methodology works. What's the concept behind it? And I would also like to share later on with you why I came to develop this concept. The IPCC tells us that we need to get to net zero by 2050 in order to avoid catastrophic impacts due to you know, climate change happening and to stay uh, on the maximum 1.5 or 2 degree warming based on industrial levels. So we know that net zero by 2050 is the target. And that's why a lot of companies and also a lot of countries, you know, set themselves such targets, either to get net zero be before 2050 or at 2050. And now I can look at what are the technologies that are crucially needed to get to net zero by 2050. There are a lot of reports by a lot of reputed scientists and consultants and institutions like the International Energy Agency and others that, that work on these kinds of things. Very interesting reports. And they have come in a flurry over the past yeah. couple, couple of years. Maybe I should mention, I also have a background in climate policy and carbon markets, and I'm an engineer myself. And so over my more than 15 years of you know, career in these markets, I learned a lot about emission reduction technologies. And I understand a fair amount about these things. And what I did is I looked at these reports and then I grouped the areas in which those technologies fall into renewable energy, into hydrogen, into e-mobility, into transportation. So shared transportation, for example, but also public transportation into circular economy, into alternative proteins and, and carbon removals. I could now okay. go deeper into you know, explaining why those seven areas, you find this on the website, but those seven areas, I could group all these technologies in one way or the other into. And what I did then is to start really manually with my team to check the companies that are operating in these seven spaces. As I said before, a pure climate stock is a company that earns 100% of their revenue from products or services with net zero technologies. We went through it and, and checked the annual reports, company by company. Are they fulfilling criteria? And when they met it, it was a tick and they were included in our pure climate stocks list. And if they didn't meet it, we had the example of of Earth that we talked about at the beginning, but also General Electric is, for example, a good example. They are manufacturer of wind turbines, but they also manufacture gas turbines that you use in fossil fuel fired power plants. So they are excluded. So this check was done. And at the end, we had a pure climate stock list, as I said before, that contains more than 200 companies. And we are updating this database quarterly and checking, do they still fulfill the criteria? and uh, also checking how did the stocks develop over time. So then sticking with the railways that you chose, are they then using renewable energy to run their trains? Are they out of fossil fuels or That's like a very that's that's a very good question, Steve. Mm -hmm. And also here, I I have to say, well, short answer, no. Mm -hmm. So if it is a technology that itself is required to receive net zero by 2050, and Canadian Railway is in the transportation part and they are a national railway and railways important technology, then this is enough right. to qualify in the pure climate stocks. Assuming that if in the other area of pure climate stocks, with which is hydrogen, mm -hmm. uh, and we have the hydrogen right. players and those producing hydrogen, if development right. is taking place in those boxes, that Canadian National Railway would over time, you know, switch to hydrogen on the way to... Canada's huge already. <clears throat> Canada's already huge in hydrogen, a huge producer of green hydrogen because of all the wind farms and everything. I'd like to make sure we loop back to that because hydrogen is such a big issue. Maybe we could talk a little bit, though, about how you got here. You you had alluded to your background. What's your journey? Yeah, my, my journey is I'm, <laughs> I'm a Wirtschafts engineer, as we say in Germany. Okay. Uh, that's yes. what I studied. It's a you know strange mixture that only exists in Germany <laughs> of, of economics and engineering which really has its beauty because you can sp speak to 
engineers and you can speak to economists and, and you are able to you know provide a synthesis of if things you know, work or not also from an e economic point of view and right after my master thesis i started working on carbon markets and the clean development mechanism so that's carbon crediting for some of those listeners that know what this is about and i was working on methodological aspects that you uh -huh. need for carbon crediting so to find out where is the emission reduction of a certain technology coming from and how much emissions are actually reduced by a certain technology and how do you go about this methodologically so that was one of the first things that i did in my career and I worked back then and I'm still working for a company that is called Perspectives Climate Group. And we're dealing with all these things in various aspects of, of, of our business. And um, I'm managing director of, of this company and I'm responsible for business development. So I have it in my, my genes, so to speak, that I like <laughs> to identify problems and see what kind of solutions could be there. And I was mm. confronted with... A problem myself a couple of years back and that mm -hmm. that problem was how am i going to invest you know my savings in a climate positive way and it was clear for me that i had experience investing in stock markets and it was clear that i wanted to do it with stocks and for quite some time i checked what is the financial industry offering if i want to invest with 100 climate climate impact and Of course, the first thing I looked at, and that's something that everyone talks about, and I, I think it's a great instrument, exchange-traded funds, which are operated based on an index, and the index describes what is automatically bought by this fund. And there are a lot of funds that are called low-carbon. There are actually 26 uh, that are called low-carbon or climate change. They have it in their names. And there are a handful of exchange-traded funds around the theme of clean energy and green energy. So that was you know, my first go-to place. I wanted to find out how do these ETFs work. I wanted to look just behind the name and find out how does the index work? What do these ETFs include because of the index? And one of the first ETFs I, I checked out was because it's the biggest one. It has more than six billion US dollar in capital is the iShares. That's a BlackRock company. Mm -hmm. iShares Global Clean Energy ETF. And I wanted to find out, okay, what kind of companies does this ETF invest in? So I checked it out and I, I saw that among the top 10 positions that the funds invest in, top 10 positions, includes the utility companies Excel Energy, Iberdrola and Enel. And I know these companies a little bit from the professional work that I do in Perspectives Climate Group. And I know that without needing to check that these companies operate a large amount of fossil fuel fired power plants and emit mm. a lot of CO2. So that I, I was really not happy with that. And then I, I moved on and looked at, at different products. And just to give you two more examples, there is a product that is called Standard and Poor's 500 Net Zero 2050 mm -hmm. Paris Aligned Sustainability Screened Index. And there's an ETF that operates on it. So if you remember, you know, what I said earlier about how important it is uh, to get to net zero in 2050, you, know, you would now assume that maybe pure climate stocks would be in that index and, and maybe some of the companies that I've mentioned, but they aren't. <laughs> the, the top five positions are Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Alphabet, and NVIDIA. And that was, you know, really quite a shock to me because from the title, I thought if I invest my money there, I'm really dealing with companies that make a real impact and, and contribute to a cooler future. And I found out that these indexes work in a totally different way. What most of them, if not all of them do, they are saying, okay, we are looking at the emissions of the company that the emissions are reporting under the carbon disclosure project, for example. And then We are dividing the emissions by the market cap, for example, or by the revenue. And then you end up with all those tech companies. They make a huge amount right. of revenue and they have, of course, because of their business, a small amount of emissions. So I understand why they are there according to the index, but right. that's not what I want to invest in. And yeah, because they're not taking something dirty and making it clean. They're just, by the nature of their business, they just aren't generating a lot of emissions. They, exactly. They have, By the nature of their business, they have a lower carbon footprint than other companies, mm -hmm. but they right, are not right. particularly you know, help-solving 
the climate change uh, issue. And to mention another one, which is not directly related to climate change, but I found very interesting. As I said, alternative proteins is one of the seven areas mm -hmm. of the pure climate stocks concept and where we look mm -hmm. for companies for. So I, because alternative proteins are you know associated with emission reductions compared to a, a dairy or, or meat-based diet. Yeah. That's what the IPCC lands report said. The biggest thing you can do is to stop eating meat, right? Exactly. That's true. And mm -hmm. so I, I wanted to look at a product which was called the US Vegan Climate ETF and thought I'm for sure, you know, I must find <laughs> vegan companies in there that produce mm -hmm. vegan products. And maybe I find some pure climate stocks in there because of that reason. But again, and now it really gets absurd. The In this ETF is Microsoft. Nvidia and Comcast. I understand why on my, my my packet of gummy bears there it says vegan. It's right. something I eat at least. Uh -huh. But I didn't know that I can eat your know, Microsoft product. So that it it, it gets really. What's absurd. the rationale on that? What was the rationale on that? I can see why it would be in the other index, but why would Microsoft be in a vegan index? There is no reason. And okay. there, there it is might just no, be the reason there, you said. It might be because there, you don't there, eat. There is no logical reason other than that. The creators of those products, you want to ensure that the performance of the product is as high as possible. And that's why they're right, mixing, right. why they're mixing the stocks inside these products from which they are assuming they are going to perform well. That no one, no one says song. this, but it's my right. If I think about it, I think that's the reason. Yeah. It goes back to this the core of this whole challenge on impact investing and everything is should you expect the same market rate returns or should you be willing to live with less to to achieve more that's a great that's a great point steve and and when i started looking into pure climate stocks and how would i do it and and is it worth looking into it do i do i think that people really care about pure climate stocks and what we do mm -hmm. i found a couple of statistics and and and, and studies on this and they found that two-thirds of the investors want to invest sustainably, but they don't know how, uh, and they don't trust the, the financial industry. And there's another study actually done here in Germany by the University of, of Hamburg. And there, very concretely, investors are saying they even accept lower returns if they would know that their investment would have a positive impact on the climate. So I find this very impressive findings and that's why i wanted to start pure climate stocks to show how this could be done and that's why it's also so important for me and the next step in the pure climate stocks journey as you asked before steve i want to develop a pure climate stocks index and i'm mm -hmm. discussing already with some providers that can do that because what i really want to do is i want to backtrack this basket of your more than 200 companies and check you know, how would they have performed. And I'm really looking forward to see the results because what I can see if I just look at my Excel sheet, you know, without having it sophisticatedly built out at the moment to be able to do that, I can see that there is some tremendous value growth in some of those stocks. My hypothesis would be that, yes, maybe investing in pure climate stocks is not the next Amazon, not the next Facebook, but I would say it should uh, make attractive returns. And you can do this, of course, you can see this if you select separate pure climate stocks. But I'm convinced that the outcome will also be that if you assume that the index would have been an ETF, that you will right. see very attractive growth there. Do you know Alex Barkawi? Sorry, I have to okay. pause. He started a group called Oikos, which looked, which was a student group focused on sustainable investing. And I remember talking to him 20 years ago, and he was working with a sustainable asset management, Sam, out of Switzerland. And there was this debate at that time about, do you manage sustainably or do you manage in a socially responsible way? Yeah. Amy Domini was on the socially responsible side. She had always said that socially responsible investing means you're just investing with your conscience and you're not out to make yeah. the highest return yeah. at all costs. And Alex was arguing that sustainable investing had a slightly different twist, which was that over time, companies that are managed in socially responsible ways will have less risk because they won't have labor problems. They won't be getting sued for polluting rivers and stuff yeah. like this. At the time, it was just starting out. And it'd be interesting to go and see if that panned out. That was a I should probably catch up to Alex because that was his big question 20 years ago. And I'm sure he'd have the answer 
or, or do you know of any anything like that? Any studies that, like that? that there are there are studies done, and there is a, a, a plethora now of different ESG indexes, so environmental, yeah. social, you know, governance indexes. And what can be seen when one compares them with non-ESG indexes, that particularly in the last couple of years, they are actually performing better. You're right. So the mm -hmm. hypo hypothesis back then from Alex has worked out, at least in the last couple of years. And of course, uh, the, I guess the negative on that is uh, the energy sector this year. Fossil fuel companies are right. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> thanks, Steve. Thanks, thanks for reminding me. I think that that e you can think of ESG as a minimum criteria. I mean, there are different levels of yeah. stringency there. But if you look, particularly talking about climate, and then it becomes the oil and gas sector and the companies operating it becomes very relevant. If you look at the task force for financial disclosures, there is a lot of pressure from the investment industry and the financial industry on those oil and gas companies mm -hmm. to do a risk analysis on mm -hmm. their business and how those companies are impacted by, first of all, climate change impacts and mm -hmm. future climate change impacts, but also are going to be impacted by more stringently enforced regulation mm -hmm. with regards to reducing emissions. And just very recently, the European Central Bank has done a report and has screened the European banks for their climate alignment and for their climate risks. And what they have found was that those players in the oil and gas industry are risky to invest in and that there could be something you know, in the order of the last financial crisis around the corner because potentially the valuation of those companies is you way too high if you know, some of their assets that they are at the moment valued right. within those companies would be stranded assets because they are not able to explore them fully anymore because of regulation. So if the world is switching from you know, petrofuel cars to EVs, when the world you know is, is switching from uh, fossil fuel-fired power plants, like gas-fired power plants, to, to renewable energy, how much of the oil and gas will those companies still be able to sell and mm -hmm. um, they have really put on the warning bell and and i think it, it, it is very important that i think is also why those companies are, are are starting to change and to also declare their climate targets and there was just very recently a study now before cop released about how ambitious those goals are and there's only one company among 28 oil and gas companies that were covered in the analysis that has set itself a net zero target by at least 2050. Mm -hmm. And that's Occidental Petroleum from the US. So that's the only oil and gas company that wow. has a, a net zero surprised. target. But yeah. Also, I was surprised. Of course, that's 30 years away and a lot of things can happen. And exactly. And that's why they are not included in the pure climate stocks. But that's, of course, what we need. It mm. starts with a declaration and it starts with a plan. And then hopefully things will happen. And one never knows. Then maybe Occidental Petroleum in 2050 is also a pure climate. And then it won't be Occidental Petroleum anymore. It'll be Accidental Energy or something like that. All right. That. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the main focus of this show is land use and natural climate solutions. Are there any sectors that are being overlooked, especially in the lands front? Yeah, sectors overlooked. That's I would say if I come if I use the pure climate stocks concept and methodology, mm -hmm. then I would say no, they are not overlooked, but I know what you mean. So I was thinking about the same thing. How am I going to deal with your land-based mitigation? Because there is of course land-based mitigation going on. It's happening in mm -hmm. forests with integrated forest management. Right. It's happening with afforestation and, and reforestation. So I thought, can I define an area, you know, an additional eighth area that has to do with this? Mm. And, and of course, I, I know companies, for example, that are stock listed like a Weyerhaeuser company. Not a lot of people know them, but it's actually impressive because uh, they are the world's largest private owner of timberlands. Mm. So they are managing 9 million hectares of uh, timberland of which is almost 50 percent in the us and i and there are of course discussions about are timber products removals because the carbon is stored within those products so if i 
buy a wooden chair or a, a table. There is, of course, right. carbon stored within that product. But that, to me and for my pure climate stocks methodology, was a shot that was you know a little too far. Because then the question of and, and and then also Weyerhaeuser wouldn't really qualify if I would say, okay, timber products, long lifetime timber products are included, then Weyerhaeuser wouldn't be a pure climate stock because they wouldn't sell only those products. But I know what you mean, and I and, and I thought about it in in carbon markets. We are of course talking a lot yeah. about nature-based solutions. So if I put my pure climate stocks methodology lens on nature-based solutions i mm-hmm. would say that for example a a biochar company that is achieving permanent removals by the biochar technology when they bring it into the soil could be a pure climate stock if this company would be stock listed and be a pure play but to my knowledge there doesn't exist any such company, if one of the listeners of this you know, podcast knows one, yeah. then please well, write yeah. Steve or myself an email. Or, or yeah. I'm thinking of, of like project developers. Like that the eco-securities you know, that were one stock list, yeah. for example. Eco-securities, I don't know, South Pole, are they public? I don't, I think a lot of these companies started, I don't know that there are any publicly listed project developers, but that would be an interesting sector. It, it would be, for sure. I agree with you. There is Actually, there is this one. There's this, a new one. Terraformation. Do you know about them? No, to be honest, I don't. They've gotten a lot of press. The CEO used to be the CEO of uh, Reddit, I think. One of those tech companies. Maybe okay. I just have Red in my head, and that's okay. going to Reddit. But he, his last name is Wong. And if you look at them, they've never done a project, but they're talking about doing like sustainable land management. And they've gotten a lot of attention, but they are looking to be a publicly listed company that is something like a project yeah, developer. And if you look at, I guess the thing is, I haven't seen anything that they're doing that others aren't doing, but they're telling the story as if they've invented it, which I find a little bit annoying <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that these companies that they're just now coming in are able to position themselves as the leaders in the field. I think another question is, are there any sectors that are overhyped? Things we've heard about a lot. And yeah, yeah. I I mean, that spontaneously two sectors come to my mind, and that's e-mobility and that's hydrogen. And yeah, reflect a little, a little bit uh, upon that. I think the Tesla is, and I don't want to say that Tesla is, that there's mm. so much controversy around Tesla. There has been so <laughs> much controversy around Tesla. And I find, mm. I we did a, a deep dive stock analysis on Tesla. It's on our website. People can look at it. After the stock analysis, I've decided not to invest in Tesla as a single Mm. stock investment because I thought a lot of things have to go very right for Tesla to to grow into the valuation, into the stock price that they have at the moment. But I must say what Tesla has achieved in the past is tremendous. And I did this stock analysis before the Q3 earnings report. I now looked at the Q3 earnings report. They've again been able, against the trend in the automobile industry in Q3, they've again been able to have a sales record, again a profit record. They Mm -hmm. somehow seem not to uh, suffer from the microchip shortage. So this company is always good for surprises. And I find it really hard to say where will Tesla be in terms of your revenue, profit, and and stock price in a couple of years. But there have for sure been some things hyped and that did turn out, I think, really bad for those investing in in those companies. And that uh, is, for example, the story of Nikola. Maybe you've heard of of this company that came to the stock market in what is called a a SPAC. That's something different to an IPO, but I don't want to go there. So they came on the stock market with a SPAC and and basically selling the vision, we are going to be the next Tesla when it comes to e-trucks. Tesla's first name. Exactly, Steve. Exactly, uh-huh. and and they had a huge rise, right? They, uh-huh. the founder Trevor Milton, was basically selling a vision, but at a certain point in time, that was in July this year, you know, the stock price crashed really badly, and and then this is what happens, right? These people say a whale manipulated the market, etc. But at the end, the end of the day, it was just unrealistic predictions, and then these things can happen. So I think that yes, there is hype happening. And I think the case of Nikola in, in e-mobility is actually a, a very good example. 
I think another one, but at a different level, is in hydrogen, and that's Plug Power. They are a, a US-based provider of technology around around hydrogen and, and producing hydrogen, and they want to focus on green hydrogen. So they are starting at the moment a big wind power project in the US that where they want to produce green hydrogen from. And then I should, I, just, getting, yeah. I should just briefly, because I don't think I've ever covered green hydrogen on the show, and some people might not know what it is, but basically it's using renewable energy to run the electrolysis that generates hydrogen. So that, that was always the knock on hydrogen. I remember 20 right. years ago, hydrogen was the future, but oh no, you have to use energy to get the electrolysis. Exactly. And now that, yeah. Exactly. So now it's, renewable energy is, is there. Yeah. And, and as you say, Steve, it's green when it's the energy is from a renewable source and it's called blue mm. or gray or there, there, right. there are many different colors when it comes <laughs> from a, a fossil fuel source and the color gets darker and darker depending on, on, on how, how carbon intense the, the fossil fuel source is. So green one is really the one which brings us to your net zero by, by, by 2050. That's the one that is relevant. That's what I like about plug power as well, that they're really focusing on the green one first. But I also wouldn't exclude a company that's working on hydrogen and providing technology, even if they are working at the moment with blue hydrogen, for example, based on, on, on gas natural gas reformation because we can get from blue and then to green and then we get to to net zero so plug power is one of those companies they're working for example with airlines producing hydrogen for airlines they have had some very interesting agreements there that they can show but i'm getting skeptical right when robin hood the new broker in the us you calls plug power the latest cult stock and so such a stock is the most favorited trade in the most favorite trade lists on Robinhood, then I think then it's it's time to be a little bit cautious. It reminds me of these stories of I think it was Joe Kennedy, the father of John F. Kennedy, made his fortune shorting the stock market, and he said it was because he was getting stock tips from the shoeshine boy. He knew it was time to sell. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's a little bit like that. If if everyone is talking about something, then it it might be time for considering if you want to sell those stocks but tesla might also be everyone is talking about tesla but as i said you know i'm, I'm not so sure about that if that is a good or a bad idea to keep tesla i, I wouldn't mm. really want to say anything about that and giving a recommendation there but what i can say about plug power is that they have been very they have been very successful in generating revenue they uh, have the revenue grow 35 to 40 percent year on year, but on a fairly low level. And that's a great success, right? That's a great success and in its own right. But if you look at the valuation of the stock, that the revenue times 50 is the market capitalization at the moment, then you wonder, you know, if this can really be a meaningful investment at this stage. So I think there is yeah. some good amount of hype also in the hydrogen market. Yeah. And what about hydrogen as a sector? Because it's basically renewable energy. And hydrogen is just a store of energy. Two episodes ago, Gabriel Eikhoff was talking about how we had this disconnect now. We had this huge increase in renewable energy, but we had a shortage in storage. So the boom in green hydrogen is really the introduction of storage capacity yeah, for the green sector. But people are talking about these projections on the future of green hydrogen that would either mean we have to get a lot more energy out of renewable energy or we've got to cover all of Canada with windmills. And where will we start to think that hydrogen has reached its limits? And is it being oversold too? When people hear about hydrogen, they think, oh, good, we can keep flying. We can keep doing whatever we've been doing. That's not necessarily the case. I guess I'm getting off topic. I'm getting more no, macro. I, 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 what I would to, say, but, Steve, I, I don't know the accurate numbers. I don't know the stats. But of course, you're right. The renewable energy sector is in high demand. And if we think about that, we don't only want the electricity to decarbonize processes in the industry that that, that are moment at the moment run by fossil fuels if we want the renewable electricity for e-mobility purposes and if we mm. want renewable electricity for green hydrogen then it is a lot of electricity that we need and that's why what i can see at least here in the european union the european union is very interested in getting green hydrogen from for example from the middle east and with mm -hmm. the hypothesis that, okay, we have a lot of unused land in, in, in those countries yeah. there. We have a lot of sunshine. 
and let's do green hydrogen based on 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 PV and and then let's ship it to Europe. And how far that is a realistic assumption that we can replace a lot of fuel at the moment for the fuel used by hydrogen based on if that's true or not based on a sort of worldwide model of energy flows i'm it's a good mm -hmm. question and it's probably going to be tight yeah yeah that comes to the like when we're we're nowhere near bubble phase on this stuff yet but when will we know that we're in a bubble or are we i i feel like we've got a lot we can't be in a bubble phase for for pure car for for pure climate right now maybe that, that question might not even be relevant yeah. that might be I think there are, I would I would like to answer this question in two parts. Generally, you know, are we in a bubble on the stock market and your valuation across the market, you're justified that we see at the moment. So, of course, there is a lot of liquidity in the market. Stock prices and indexes like the S&P 500, you know, are on their all-time highs and mm -hmm. we have very high valuations in the markets in single stocks and in indexes so what does a high valuation mean the one indicator for a high valuation is usually what is called the price earnings ratio so the price for the stocks and the earnings that the company makes and the pe ratio tells you the answer to the following question if the company continues to make profits How many years does it require to pay back your share price, assuming that all profit is paid annually on a similar le level to the shareholders? So that's even pre-tax. It assumes all mm -hmm. profit is paid, which is not the case, is paid out uh, in dividends, and it also assumes pre-tax. So that's the PE ratio, the price earnings ratio. And if mm -hmm. you look at the uh, Standard Poor's at the moment, which is the biggest, and, and S&P's 500, which is the biggest and, and largest index in terms of market capitalization, you see that we are at a PA ratio, PE ratio of 28, which one is one of the highest in, in the last 10 years. Only 2020 was even higher because so, because but, all the profits okay. had to be corrected. And now Tesla is at 150 yes. <laughs> yeah, with expected profits for 2021. So that is already higher profits than mm -hmm. they are having now. So that gives you just some of the flavor, you know, why I have personally decided not to invest in Tesla, mm -hmm. but this company is delivering. So it could be that it's doing so well over the next couple of years that the PAE ratio will, will come down sig significantly. Then let's look at the at pure climate stocks. We've done four deep dive analysis. We've done it on Tesla, as I've mentioned before. We've done it on Plug Power. We've done it on Vestas, the largest uh, wind uh, turbine manufacturer in the world from Denmark. And we've done it on Oatly. Oatly is a oh, yeah. is a producer of of oat milk, right? Oat, yeah, isn't it? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of, I was using for the right terminology oat based alternative milk products uh, okay. and and the fundamental analysis who wants to look at it finds it on our website across the board on those four companies i found a quite high valuation and mm -hmm. so i personally when i saw these evaluations at that time i'd say so i would not certainly not invest in single stocks of them well for oatly to be honest i did i was a little bit irrational because i love the product i use it every day mm -hmm. in my milk so i, I bought <laughs> a few of of oatly but Even after the Tesla stock analysis, for example, the stock rose by another 15%. And, and that's just done so recently after they announced that they have the deal with Hertz that is going to purchase 100,000 of the electric vehicles for rent, renting right. them. And it's, I would say that overall tendency in the market is that, yes, there is a lot of valuation in the market and particularly in some of the pure climate stocks. And, but, The question is, how is the profit outlook going to look like? And what was that we estimated, was it too conservative or not? But we also looked at three renewable energy ETFs, for example. And by the way, renewable energy ETFs also don't always include only pure play renewable energy companies. But they have it. Microsoft. Not as bad as that. See, not as bad as that. But for example, you can find their suppliers like ABB, for example, that also provide the fossil mm. fuel industry with, Concrete, pro yeah. with products and services. And you can also find these mentioned in blogs on our website. And also there is a very high valuation. So I would say that I wouldn't call it overhyped or overvalued even because the stock market, of course, always reflects how 
the return expectation is in other markets and of course for example property is also uh, very high we just mm -hmm. have a lot of liquidity in the market a lot of cash in the market so i would say that what i'm looking for is and when as soon as we've built the pure climate stock index what i would do is i would invest broadly within the pure climate stock space select 50 maybe 100 maybe all of those companies included there and then say okay i have my own etf if tesla is overvalued if plug power is overvalued and they are in my pure climate stocks then they have only you know a very small part of my portfolio maybe even one percent and there will be other companies that you know in case tesla or plug power could down that could grow for example like Vulcan Energy Resources, the, the company I mentioned. What is the future for pure climate stocks? I know right now you've got your info, infos available for free. You're doing one-on-one -on -one consultations. What's next for you? We are starting, as you said, we are starting with the consultations with the what we call the masterclass when it's in the webinar and the one-on-one -on -one mentoring when it's personally. And, and we are going to charge for them. So that's our first step. That's also what I want to know as a business developer and, and what I want to see proof of my hypothesis. So if I think there is a problem and if I think I have a solution, I'm curious to know and I will only get to know if I ask people to pay for it, is am I offering really a cure? Because if there is no cure, then people are not willing to pay. So that's our next step and, and we will have those products up and running very soon. What will the cost be? Do you know yet? Yeah, so we are um, planning for the masterclass uh, webinar. It will be uh, 499 US dollar. And mm -hmm. for the, the one-on-ones over a longer duration, it will be 2,499 US dollars. Okay. And what is the web the website? Is it pure carbon or pure climate stocks? It's pureclimatestocks.com in one word. Okay. Right. That's right. And okay. then after we start with those products and, and see how it's going, of course, we are hoping that it will go fantastic and that my hypothesis mm -hmm. was right. And then we want to build this Pure Climate Stocks Index. And of course, we are then interested to talk also to institutional investors if they would be interested to adopt the concept. And then next stage or phase two would be for me, well, we have green bonds mm -hmm. on the market. We have companies that are not pure climate stocks, but maybe we can even you know, make a, a rating of companies mm -hmm. that are not yet pure climate stocks and, and, and let's give them a rating you know, from 1 to 100, of course, starting with those where we believe are almost there, but they are still operating a coal-fired power plant. So we could also evaluate those. I, I could imagine that there's an interest there as well from private investors. And then it would be I think also exciting to look at, at, at cryptocurrencies because that's where uh, a lot of people are investing these days as well and mm -hmm. see, can we come up with a methodology for when you know a cryptocurrency is green or, or climate friendly? We could also potentially move into the space of crowd investing pre-IPO. For example, Leonardo DiCaprio, there was just an announcement. He invested in, in, in two firms in the alternative protein space. That's something we are not capturing now because we are only looking at listed companies. Mm. So I think there's a lot of work to do. And my, my vision and my dream would be that we become the authority when it comes to uh -huh. investing with 100% positive climate. Matthias Prey of pureclimatestocks.com, closing out this edition of Bionic Planet, coming to you from year-end climate talks in Glasgow, Scotland. Apologies again for the background noise. I'm out in a hallway here trying to get things done between meetings. If you like the show and you want to get more and better episodes, you can help me deliver them by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash bionicplanet. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash bionic planet there you can support the show for as little as one dollar per episode but with a monthly cap that way if i don't manage to produce a show in a month you don't get charged but if i go nuts and crank out a bunch of them you don't get whacked either you can also help by giving me a five-star review on whichever podcatcher you access me through that helps because the more stars i get the more ears i get and the more ears i get the more minds i can reach and we have to reach hundreds of millions of minds if we're to meet the climate challenge. We can do it if we all work together. 
That wraps up today's show. Until next time, I'm Steve Zwick at Year End Climate Talks in Glasgow, Scotland. Thanks for listening.